We're going to pick it up in chapter 11, and we're going to pick it up actually in verse 17, because if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, that's where Judson left off. Um, he left off right there in verse 16 and uh, did a good job with those few verses. So I'll catch you up just in case uh, you haven't heard this story before. Uh, but this is the word of the Lord, John 11, verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, uh, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her one of these seven I am statements that John gives us. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Who is coming into the world. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I know that your word brings life. God, I pray that, uh, that you would allow us to hear the truths of the gospel this morning. I pray, God, that you would uh, just, for those who don't believe you, God, that you would open their eyes to see the truth and the reality that's being presented to us that there is no middle ground, there is either life and death. So God, I pray that uh, you would help us to hear, not only just hear, but I also do uh, the scripture. And Lord, I thank you um, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me catch you up if we can. And if I start talking really loud, it's because my hearing may go out on us. Uh, if you weren't with us yesterday, you would understand why. So this is a story about... Jesus and some of his BFFs and Jesus, uh, if you recall, Jesus told his boys, the disciples, we're going to chill out just for a couple days here and then they're going to, they start making their way and I love how that, that section of scripture ends with Thomas. <laughs> I just like Thomas because he's such a realist. He's like, all right, let's go because we're going to die with him. I mean, don't you love that guy? No, not actually. No, actually, I don't like that guy. So we find that Lazarus is sick. Jesus loves these people dearly. And you'll see Lazarus actually dies here. This story is actually considered one of the final signs that Jesus gives us before uh, he is crucified. In fact, we're just really a couple months away uh, in this story of Jesus being crucified now, it's going to take us a few more months to get to that point uh, in the series. But where Jesus is, is that he is nearing his earthly ministry 
here. And Jesus gets this word that Lazarus is ill, his good friend, and he gives us a purpose why he's lingering and why he is so slow. And so there are two things that I want to just draw out of the scripture this morning that I found as I was reading this because I've preached this sermon so many times and so it would be easy for me to just default to some recycled sermons. Amen. <laughs> okay. If you haven't never preached, you'll know why, because recycled sermons are always the best. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I didn't want to do that, but I, I saw a couple things that were happening in this story that I want us to consider that, number one, God seems like he's slow, right? God seems like he is slow, but also this is revealing who or what our confidence is in. So let me start with this first thing, if I can, this morning. And let's just be, let's, let's have an honest dialogue with each other. Has God seemed like he is slow in your life? Come on now, I know I got my amen corner over here with Willie, but the rest of y'all may be lying. Because if you've lived and breathed in the reality of this life, you can come to the conclusion that God just seems like he on that slow time. God's clock got set back way, 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 way much longer, and we just waiting for him to catch up to us. It's probably because we are at this pace in our culture that everything just seems like it has to be fast. I have coined this, and I don't know if I made this up, but I'll take claim to it, the microwave generation. It has to be fast, and that is my pace also. But that is not how God chooses to move throughout the scripture. He gives Abraham a promise that through your seed, Abraham, that all things will be reconciled unto me. And then you get this dot, dot, dot. We got to wait hundreds or thousand years before this promise is fulfilled. Why? Because God's timing is slow. He says in verse 4, if you remember, and you're going to see a purpose in why he is slow. If you remember back in verse 4, Jesus told them this, that this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, Amen. so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, these should be comforting words for us. But why does it feel? It doesn't feel very comforting for me at times. That when you're going through trauma, when you're going through suffering in your life, perhaps God is taking you through that so that he might be glorified all the more. That just seems like a slap in our face. Let's think about context and what's happening. It says that Jesus was about two miles. In fact, he was 1.7 miles away. Jesus clearly could have made this trip in at least, I mean, if he's power walking, mile and a half, if he's running, depending on if he's a runner or not, 20 minutes. Surely, your good friend, best friend, y'all, the news should have sparked Jesus to go all marathon and hit the trail and make it to his best friend in just 20 minutes. But Jesus 
chose not to do that. Jesus' intent is to arrive to Lazarus after he dies. Now, there was a Jewish thought, if you'll read, that, G, that Lazarus here has been dead for four days. And I've, I, when I've preached through this before, I, I mentioned this to you, and this has been a couple years ago, but there's a Jewish thought that the soul hovers over the body for three days, and so after the third day, when the soul sees that the body is deteriorating, the soul leaves. So perhaps Jesus is very intentional on his delay because there is this narrative in culture and Jesus was not going to have any of that story that culture believed because what Jesus wanted to display to his people is that I've got a bigger narrative that I'm going to display to you and this isn't about Lazarus. This isn't about Martha. This isn't about Mary. The narrative that I am writing is about me. And so Jesus is trying to give them this big grand idea. Now, now here's the thing. After three days, man, the whole party has come. So there's a lot of mourning going on, going on at this moment in time. And so Jesus is very intentional about his slowness. He's very intentional. He wanted to wait at the last moment when there's all of these people here to see not so that he can just flex his power and flex his muscles, but what is the purpose of John? Come on, y'all, I say this almost every Sunday. So that you may believe. Jesus' intention in this resurrection moment is for that very purpose, so that he might be glorified. So why? So that people may believe. Perhaps... And this is just me talking here. Maybe God seems slow to some of us because maybe there is a bigger story that he's trying to write because it sure ain't the story that I would be writing. Okay, I, I got one amen up in this camp this morning because the story I want to write has been a lot different than the story that God has written for my life. And perhaps maybe you think that God's been slow in your life. Maybe it's because he's got a bigger story that's being written in your life. And notice what that story was, y'all. I'm going to give y'all a spoiler alert. Lazarus got out of the grave. That, that, that for them was, I, I mean, this is, no one could have wrote this story like Jesus did. Jesus could have easily given into uh, the cultural narrative that's going on, um, and, and it could have just been over, and there would have been a lot of suspects going on, because if Jesus came and took the fast route, John Lazarus been dead for a, a couple days, Jesus comes and, and raises him from the dead, people could have easily said, see, his, his soul was still lingering. It really wasn't Jesus. So do you, you see why Jesus is taking the slow route? Because there surely would have just, everyone would have been able to explain it in their own eyes and in their own minds. But Jesus is like, I'm writing a different story. And my story will not fit into the cultural narrative. 
because my story is a lot bigger than what you and I can see. And perhaps maybe God is at work in your life really slow because there's another story that he's writing and we are so limited in our scope, we just can't see the pages yet. Why is God moving so slow? Because he's not done with you yet. Amen. This is incredible news for us. Yes. So, so what do we do? All right, here's my question and I, as I was reading through this. What do we do? What do we do? Well, I think I found the answer. In Martha's response, if you'll take a look at it with me real quick, verse 21, what do we do when we're waiting on God to do something in our life? Listen to what Martha said. Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, I want you to see this because at first glance, and I've often interpreted this as being Martha's rebuke on Jesus. But I think it's a little different than that. Because what I see in this, if you look at it carefully, Martha has a lot of confidence in Jesus. I, if, if you look at it like this, I know you'd been here. If you'd been here, he would have been healed. Doesn't sound like a rebuke to me. That sounds like she's confident in God. She's confident in Jesus. Nothing wrong with that statement at all. If, if you'd been here, I know that my brother would have been healed. And look how she even goes on further. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we are waiting for God to do something in our lives, while we're waiting for healing, while we're waiting for deliverance, while we're waiting for our, our marriage to be reconciled? What do we do in this and this tension and this, this trauma that so many of us have found ourselves in this morning. What do we do? We have confidence in Jesus. We, we find ourselves like Martha, and we have confidence because she knows that if Jesus would have been there at that moment, it's a confident claim for her. It's not that of a rebuke. It's just grief and faith that she knew who Jesus was. Seems like there's still a little tension, though, in her heart. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now, she's on point with her theology. She got it right, you know. I know he's going to rise again on the third on, on the last day. But, but here's, here's what's happening here. She misses, she misses what Jesus is ultimately saying. Jesus was absolutely true when he said, your brother will rise again. Even if Jesus did not raise him from the dead in this present moment. Okay? So Jesus is not lying at all. Whether or not Jesus raised that boy from the dead at this moment, it's still an accurate claim. 
And Martha knows this when she says, yeah, I know. He'll. So, so here's a problem with this that I think she gets wrong is when she's missing what Jesus is trying to present to her. Because the reality of it is, is that she has pretty good knowledge of what's going on. It's just she could not see what Jesus is really saying. And I think sometimes we fall into this. I know. Yeah, I mean, I know. If you ever, if someone tells you the gospel, you come in here on Sunday and you, you hear me yell and scream at you and, and, and you hear the gospel presented, you hear about Jesus. And most of the time, if we're not careful, we always want to give a nominal response. I mean, I know. I mean, yeah, I know, man. I mean, like, what? tell me something good. The, the problem is, is that we have head knowledge, but sometimes that head knowledge is just not transferred down to our heart. And we can miss the reality that God is greater than anything you can think of. That God is bigger than anything. And sometimes we can miss that reality that despite you, no, I know. God can still do whatever he wants. He can still move. He can still heal. So sometimes the I know can just get us into a lot of trouble. Live our lives with the, f the, the foot off the gas pedal, just kind of coasting. Yeah, I mean, I know God loves me, yeah. I mean, I, I know you're telling me the stuff. You yell at me. You tell me all the time, preacher. God loves me. God saved me. I mean, I know. I don't know why I went all Jersey when you walk here. <laughs> Not even Jersey at all. I mean, I know. Sometimes we just do that. We get in that... That, that stale relationship with the Lord, I, I know. But do you know? Because that matters. Knowing matters, okay? Knowing has eternal consequences. Let, let's, let's look how Jesus, how Jesus responds. Because I love how Jesus doesn't draw attention to Martha. I love how Jesus doesn't address and start giving Martha so much advice. I love that he's like, but, but you know what, Martha? Girl, you were such a good sister. You were the best sister. In fact, you were the bestest sister in the whole best world <laughs> that the world has ever seen. You are the greatest sister of all. I mean, notice that Jesus doesn't, like, start drawing into her emotions and start uh, dealing. Like, Jesus takes the attention immediately off of her. He takes the attention immediately off of the situation and off of Lazarus. And what does he do? And I love this about John because this is John's, boy, this is so good. He puts the attention back on himself because that's what Jesus does. He is about himself and his own glory. That's what the Bible's about. And Jesus quickly puts the attention and puts himself back into the spotlight. And he gives us this, this yet again, another claim of deity, this echo of me, this I am the what? The resurrection 
and the life. Jesus immediately puts the spotlight back onto himself. Takes it off of the situation because he wants you to see a greater reality of something that's going on. I am the resurrection and the life. If you look at the last half of 25 where he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. It's an explanation of, I am the resurrection. And then you look at verse 26. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is an explanation of, I am the life in Jesus is life. This is what Jesus is clearly saying. And outside of Jesus, hear me, is death. There is no, well, I'm kind of on the fence, brother. Well, actually, (laughs) that's funny uh, because it's from the office. Um, Actually, any office fans in the house this morning? You're You're more sanctified, by the way. Actually, you know. Well, you know, there's probably multiple ways. You know, I just think what I want to think. It's the, it's the narrative of culture. There's many ways. And Jesus clearly tells us here, I, I am the resurrection and the life. In Jesus is life. Outside of Jesus is death. If you have faith in me, and I, Jesus is saying right here, you do not remain in death. It can't hold you. So like Lazarus, you may be eventually, bodily, in the grave. But you will be called from the tomb. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. You believe in him. He's conquered death. Death can't hold the believer because it cannot hold him. And this just isn't a promise for the now or or for the future. This is also a promise for the now. In Christ, you've been raised from death to life. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but when we came to Christ in faith, what, what did he do? He made us alive here. So this is why we can have confidence in the middle of a trial, in the middle of uh, trauma in your life, you can have confidence in Christ because he lives. You have confidence in Christ because he lives. I can also live. And we don't just respond with, "Mm, I know. Why do you, really? I don't know, man. Because there is, there's no no life apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus is standing before us in this text this morning, giving us this assurance, believe in me, and you have life. I like what D.A. Carson said concerning this passage. He said, Jesus' concern, listen to what he says, Jesus' concern is to divert Martha's focus from an abstract belief in what takes place on the last day to a personalized belief belief in him who alone can provide it just as he not only gives the bread from heaven but is himself the bread of life so also he not only raises the dead on the last day but is himself the resurrection and the life there is neither resurrection nor eternal life outside of him 
I have confidence that despite what I'm facing this morning, I win in the end. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If you believe in Christ, you get life. If you believe in him, it doesn't matter what you're facing. In the end, you get Christ. He is the reward. He is our hope in what seems like in this passage a very difficult, traumatic time. Friends, if you're going through the broken marriage, if you're going through uh, the failed relationship, if you're going through financial issues or sickness, you got a bad doctor's report, hear me today. You have hope in Christ because in the end, you get eternal life. It's superb news for us this morning. She, uh, he, he ends this with a question, verse 26, the little last question. He says, do you believe this? And I love how Martha responds. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. And I love how she pushes it. She doesn't say, I believe that you're Christ. I believe that you're the son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus stands before you and I this morning, dear brothers and sisters, and he asks the question to us plainly. Do you believe? Is it? I mean, I know. Do you believe? You, you don't know Christ in this place this morning. You have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus do you believe? It's an invitation for you and I this morning to believe not in what our circumstances may be telling us, but to believe ultimately that there is something greater that God is writing, that ultimately our confidence is in knowing that he is writing the narrative of our story, yet we cannot see the pages as they are unfolding, yet God's in control. He's writing the story. I love 2 Corinthians 4.17. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's a brother who's been wrecked. I mean, he's, this, Paul has just been through some stuff. Stuff, all right? Emphasis there. Stuff that you and I probably will not go through. And yet here is Paul in the middle of his trial, in the middle of his storm, in the middle of his circumstance and say, listen, I just, I think this is just light because I've got an eternal weight of glory waiting for me with Christ Jesus. How can we have confidence? We have confidence in knowing that Christ has come to give us life. More than you need a new and or better marriage more than you need um, that which you are longing for more than you need the raise more than you need a, a different job a, a better relationship somebody who just will, will call y'all digits more than you need any of those things you need Christ this morning M more than any of those things I need Christ 
I like how one preacher put it in this sermon. He said, this is simply Jesus gospeling the heart of Martha. Saying, Martha, I got this. Believe. Despite what you're going through the church this morning, believe. That in the end, you win because you have eternal life with Christ. Let's pray this morning. Father, I